Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I don't know if you know anything. I'm 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 going to confess, okay? My wife thinks I have a t-shirt problem. And it's true in a lot of ways. And she looks for reasons to help me get rid of my t-shirts. Anybody else like that? Huh? She wants to turn she wants to turn them into shop rags or something. I don't know, you know, dust the furniture with them. I, I don't know. And so every now and then we go through this debate, don't you have enough t-shirts yet? And you know, I'm like, t-shirts represent, man. I mean, the t-shirt what a t-shirt a dude wears has a lot to say about the dude, right? And I don't just wear any old scrappy t-shirts. I wear some things that mean something to me. You know what I mean? Like right now, y'all feel pretty good about me because I'm wearing, I'm part of the team, church T, win, disciple, sin t-shirt, right? And everybody feels good about that. But, you know, I guess, to be honest, sometimes our t-shirts draw lines, right? So right now, I'm going to disqualify some of you from being my friend. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, I was, in, I was in Atlanta this week for the Orange Conference, the people who make our curriculum for us for children's ministry. And where's John Ewan? John's not around. Where's Johnny? Johnny Ewan was wearing a big gray shirt with a big yellow M on it. I had my Ohio State visor on, and some guy looked at us in the hallway on Friday and was like, man, are y'all getting along? And the whole, the whole, theme, the whole theme this week was, you, for, for our neighbors, we do certain things. We love our neighbors as ourselves. And I reached over and hugged Johnny and said, he's my neighbor. And I hugged him real hard right there in the middle of the infinite energy arena uh, in Atlanta. And so we, you know, but some of you are okay with the Ohio State thing. Then you see the Darth Vader and the Star Wars thing, and suddenly you're making other assumptions about me. Aaron's on the verge of weird and geeky. <laughs> and so what, what's going on with that? And, and, but but I, I, I can get even more weird and geeky on you, all right? So just hang on for a minute. Let's, let's, let's go a little more weird and geeky, okay? Hang on a minute. I mean, for real. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am a Trekkie. I found out with Brandon Schlichter this morning. We speak tra- Star Trek East together. And we can talk specific episodes and know the names and what happened and what the intention was. And all of a sudden, but some of you had just ditched me and Brandon like you don't want nothing to do with us, right? But we're all still family. See, because certain things we use, we use, we use these things as, as line drawers, right? We see somebody walking down the street with a certain t-shirt on or a certain hat or a certain idea somewhere draped on them and we make certain assumptions, right? Am I right? And we, 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 pre, we predetermine certain things by, by the way they wear their hair or, or what kind of car they drive or, or what kind of part of town. And hey, heck, we do, we do this. And we'll just be honest, sometimes it's ethnicity. Gets in the way. This is true. And what we find out is in, there are different layers of people, but we're all made in the image of God, and God's called us to be family. So even though these layers are here, and there could be things that, that, that make us distinctive, we choose to still be on the same team, right? Because there's something bigger than just our own style or our own uh, affinities or our own thoughts or our own ideas or our own opinions. 
And with the things we would use to, 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 to uh, separate us, God would want us to, to, to enjoy the value of the creation he made. He, he, would, he would want us to, 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 to enjoy that. See, we're we all longing for a connection to something that's, that, that, that's beyond what is, what is rote or normal. We want, we want to be connected. And that's why 82,000 people packed into Ohio Stadium for a scrimmage. Two weekends ago, for a scrimmage, draped in scarlet and gray, and we think those things are permanent, but let Ohio State go on a bad six years, you're probably going to be lucky to get 30,000 people in that place. Because all of a sudden, it's not that big, because they, 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 they made us mad, they didn't choose the right quarterback, they didn't, blah, blah, blah. and now, the, oh boy, the NFL draft's going on, what's our team going to do now? I don't know. And we, we, we think certain things like they're going to be there forever. And we, and, and we, we, we try and make this. In high school, I was a, we, all, we, we, we think that, uh, th- that those things will be there forever, right? I was a rebel as a high school. Go figure. I was a rebel in high school, and I thought I would always be a rebel. But you know what? I found out that was just temporary. Right now, I have one really good close friend left over from that after almost 30 years, 30 years um, from, from graduation. And I still have a T-shirt. I could have worn that one today, too. <laughs> and it looked, my wife wouldn't let me wear it because I got sweat rings that are permanent. <laughs> and she wants me to represent well, you know. And, and we think those things, we want something, that, that we, 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 we want a connection to something, but it seems like everything's got this temporal edge to it, Right? No matter what we, things come and go, people come and go, things happen. And, but we want to be a part of something that's a little more lasting. And we keep searching and we keep trying to find it. And, and, and our political parties make us uptight and our teams let us down. And our school systems mess things up. And our city government screws things up. And, things are, and we're just looking and we're fighting. And we can't figure out what's permanent and what's not, what's real and what's not. And here's the thing. Nothing we can wear on the outside is it. Doesn't matter how I wear my hair, it doesn't matter what shoes I have on. Doesn't matter what piece of paper I have hanging on my wall. Some of that stuff comes and goes. It doesn't matter. And so, so we, we've got to find a place where we, we can make this connection. We, we want something to make we want to be connected to something that makes life worth it, don't we? We want to be connected to something that makes us want to take another step or go another day or be a part of something more than just what's yeah, right? We, 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 we want that. Resurrected living, we talked about that several weeks ago. And we, in resurrected living, there's several things. Jesus raises us up. We don't live because we're a, we're, we're, we have breath in our lungs. We live by the way we're living life. We live because there's joy in our hearts. We live because the word of God has come alive. We live because there's peace for us. We live because there's hope for us. We live in that. And if Jesus raised us up out of it, then there's certain things we have to entertain and participate in to maintain that resurrected life Jesus has given us. And we talk about resurrected thinking. Sometimes we have to let the word of God get in here and alter what seems normal thought processes to see things the way God sees them. And we have to work at that and work with the Holy Spirit in that to let the Word of God become everything. Then sometimes, like we talk about Easter Sunday, sometimes life throws things at us. And we think it should go a certain way. But in this family, Jesus gives us resurrected hope because even when it, when it looks like it's over, it's really not. Because there's eternity to bear and there's things going on. 
And then sometimes we go through struggles and battles internally and outwardly. And we need resurrected courage in the middle of that because of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But one of the biggest things Jesus is going to use to keep us going in the right direction and make sure we're living in a resurrected lifestyle is he's placing us in a resurrected family. Can I say something really quick? Some of you got really like, uh-oh, I, I, felt, I felt the collective gasp during worship, right? And that's why I said it's okay. Because if some of us would be really honest sitting here this morning, there are certain things we read in the Bible this week or certain things we've entertained this week about God and we're not sure we can trust, we're not sure things are going on, and, and, and we're just not used to being real. You know why we're not used to real? Because we're used to this, not this. The reason Aaron wears a t-shirt is because Aaron wants you to know he's an average everyday dude. He don't need a collar. He don't need a robe. He don't need a suit to be who Jesus called him to be. And you know what? Neither do you. Used to hear this thing, that, 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 going to church, well, I just want God, I just want to give God my best. And what I, what I found out a lot of it, not always, I don't, I don't call it complete generalities. What I found is when we suit up, we're suiting up so we look our best when we're really not our best. That's what happens. We want to portray a certain idea and not really be real about the real idea. You understand what I mean? And I know that's tough, but listen, being a family means, dude, I just have to be, I, I, it's messy. And just because we're family and we should be family doesn't mean things are easy or things are fun or things always go our way or that everybody sees things exactly the way we see them or that, that they don't have chains in their armor or anything like that. That means that, that, that we just got to learn to live life together. And, and, and here's the thing, because of the resurrection, we, have, we, we can live in, an, in, a, in a resurrected family, an eternal resurrected family. In resurrection, we can live out an eternal family connection. John 5, 24 reads like this, I tell you the truth, that was the next line, those, plural, listen to my, who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will, they, another, another plural statement, they will never be condemned for their sins, Patrick, even the ones of unbelief and doubt. The Bible says if we confess our weaknesses one to the other, that's the place that healing comes. Well, I'm trying not to preach. I'm trying to sit in my living room, and I'm having a hard time. Because I want this to be, I want, I want it to be more like this than like that. They who, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. The ones living were already living in a dead way. Now they're alive because the word God spoke to them and God's called them, those, they, together. You got that? Because of resurrection, we have a real life family connection. Flip over to Romans 8. Now, if you're already in John, you're, you're just a couple books away from there. If you don't know where any of that is, just go to the New Testament. Do two-thirds of the way through the Bible. Click that thing open. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Two, two, two books from what we were just reading. Chapter 8, all right? See, that's good. Well, we already know that. Listen, not everybody knows that. Stop taking things for granted. Our job as Christians is to help everybody down the road. I wish he quit, I wish he quit talking about those Bibles every Sunday morning. I wish he would quit telling us that they're free because we already know that. Listen, not everybody knows stuff. Quit making presumptions and assumptions that people know things. 
boy. So anyway, Romans 8, let's look at verse, let's talk about verse 10. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, did you hear that? Your body will die because of sin. It will. Paul said it. Stop thinking bad things don't happen. Even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Now he's talking, he's talking to a collective group of people, but he keeps he's using a singular pronoun there, right? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. Now he's, now he's starting to turn the corner. You, and now that was a plural thing here, more bodies, by this same Spirit living within you, and then he says these words, therefore, dear brothers and sisters. Now here's the point, right? I'm, I'm having a hard time being still. Here's the point. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. And we're, 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 what, what makes us capable of making this family connection is this, that he came to live in us. And that's what makes us brothers and sisters. That's what causes this connection to be made. Here, we, some, sometimes I think we'd rather be a part of an organization than a family. This is easy. This right here is easy. Show up at the, show up at the specified place at a specified time, punch the card, play your dues, walk out the back door, have a great week. See you next time. This is hard. Eating meals across the table you're having a hard, with somebody you're having a hard time with is difficult. Sitting in the same living room with someone who's, who's you know, You've got a bad attitude, it's difficult. You know? When finances are jacked up and you don't know what ends up and you're stressed out, that's, that's hard. When, 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 when things are not going your way and you've had a bad day at work and you just want to punch a, your, your, I had a pastor, con- now you thought what Patrick did was awful, right? I don't really think that, but I mean, there was some of that. There was, just be honest, right? There was some of that out there like, oh, dude, he, just, he went too far that time. I had a pastor stand up in front of 8,000 people and confess that he, he, punched, he punched a hole in the wall of his laundry room. Because he was aggravated about something. And tried to cover up from his wife, hoping she wouldn't ask any questions. <laughs> and and, and if, if we're not condemned of our sin, then confession comes easy. But if I, if I still have, if there's still a shade of throwing shade, right? If there's this, somebody goes like, dude, what is he talking about? You just, it's culture, man. You know, it's not, I don't know. Anyway, you know, if the shame of guilt will hang over us, we won't be real with people. Can I tell, can I tell, every, tell every one of you something today? It does not matter what happened on Tuesday. If you and Jesus got things right, things are okay, and you can interact with the rest of the body of Christ, you don't need to hang out underneath that anymore. Jesus says, come to me and I will make things right. You, if you confess, listen to me, I will, cl- I, will, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And the reason we can be a part of the family is because not all of us are right. It's because all of us are righteous because of what Jesus did. That's why we get to do it, right? And so, so we're, we're here in this, this place. The spirit that raises Christ, Jesus gives life to us, even these mortal bodies. And one day, every one of us who have gone on before the rest of us, that same spirit's going to go, and just, bam! 
damn why it's coming back. Is that going to be crazy? Oh, my goodness. Anyway. And therefore, we can be brothers and sisters. We can be family. Colossians 1.18 leads like this. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace. Thanks for those words, Rick. He just disappeared. He's probably helping meet and greet. He, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. Aren't you glad for that? Including you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's even you. Now be real. Be, no, come on, man. Really? That's really being a family. Now look at your neighbor and go, you're a mess. But then tell him, then tell him, it's okay. Tell him, it's okay. Jesus has got this. It's okay. You are a mess, but Jesus has got this. He's got it. Now, now confess to him, oh, it's all right, I'm a mess too. It's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess too. I'm a mess. Now listen, this is what he says. This is because you were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Now check out that word. Nah, that just changed everything. You were his enemies. You know, me and, me and Jesus weren't just, just weren't very well acquainted. No, the Bible says you were enemies. Now look how Jesus treats his enemies. Separated from him by your evil, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And sometimes those things resurrect themselves, and we try and squash those dudes, right? Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Jesus died for you, even though you were his enemies. And right now, there's some people in your life who are not your enemies, and you're aggravated to no end with them, and you, 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 want, you want not to make peace, and you want not to be reconciled. You're going to just keep packing that stuff with you. Well, as a result, he's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Hallelujah. And I need that every day of every week, man. And if you're really honest, you need it every day of every week, man and woman. And, and if we're really honest, God would like to use us to extend that to everybody else sitting around us. That opportunity at peace, that opportunity at reconciliation, that opportunity at, at joy and hope. Hebrews 2.10 reads like this. God, for whom, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. He chose to. He made a conscientious decision. He didn't let his emotions run the, run the course for him. He said, I love, so I'm doing something. Some of you, you still let your emotions jack you up, and it messes up the relationships around you. you. You should stop doing that and just make conscientious decisions about who you love and how you love. And check this out. Jesus says, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so you, if, if there's somebody sitting in close proximity to you right now, or lives next door, or pulls in the same parking lot with you as a church, you can't get off the hook with that one. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader. This guy right here is not one. That guy standing behind the, 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 the keyboard right there is not one. The dude who just took up the offering is not one. That group leader who's in your family, or in, in, your, in your circle, your family, isn't one. The only one that was perfect is Jesus. That means the rest of us are going to mess it up every now and then. It is. 
God kicked my butt this week. I sat in an arena with 8,000 people and I bawled my eyeballs out. You know why? Because I realized something about me. I have let the weight of being a leader keep me from being a spiritual daddy. Because there were things that I used to do as, a, as a, just, a, just a guy who saw himself as just another one of you, you guys. For, I don't want to create a mentality here. Don't want to control what I'm saying. That, 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 that I, I used to love, I, I realized something. That one of the things they encourage you to do to reach people is throw parties. Because people like to come hang out where there's parties. One of the beautiful things they did, they showed the people the second chance. Have you heard of them? And what they do, they, they regularly throw parties for people who are re, re, getting out of incarceration. Not because they deserve it, because they want them to know they can live a different life. And they showed a piece of video of this lady who'd been incarcerated for 21 years, and they threw a party for her for the glory of God and the, for the sake of the gospel. And it was awesome. And I sat there, I just bawled my eyeballs out. You know what I used to do? I used to, I remember being a youth pastor, I loved the party part. Loved it, man. Loved it. Would want to do that more than I'd want to preach, want to hang out more than I want to be. You know what I found in myself? I, I, I avoid those things these days. You know why? Because it's messy. And as a weak leader, you know what I did? I started wanting to avoid the masses. It's just true. You know why? Because I'm not a perfect leader. I got tired of all the questions. Where's so and so been? We really don't like the way you, that, that music's going. Did you hear what so-and-so said? And I just got tired. I got tired. I got tired of having those conversations. So I started becoming something I wasn't. I started avoiding difficult circumstances and conversations. You know what I found out? As a dad, I do okay. Had to approach something really difficult this week with one of my kids. And I'm glad I did. But I haven't been... few weeks ago, he's not here, I had to look at one of my, my little nine-year-old boy and apologize for being a bad dad. Because I'm not the perfect leader, right? The thing is, I got another nine-year-old boy. Bald hands. <laughs> Daryl, I've, I've not always been a very good spiritual dad for you. And I know biologically where you should be telling me, teaching me something, and probably we need to sit and probably have that conversation. I thought I had lived a good life until nine years ago. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it's different, isn't it? Don't be afraid to go forward. Hey, that's a good word, brother. Don't be afraid to go forward. I can look around here and I'm very frustrated with me. I'm not, I'm not frustrated with you. Because I learned I would engage these ones without thinking about it. You know what? Because my love runs deep. You know what I let happen? I let my love run cold here and surfacey. And that's got to change. And I'm not done. I'm just, in, I'm, not, I'm just in this about three days of coming to these conclusions, Right? Had a dude stand up, the same guy who talked about punching his hole. He talked about he was supposed to pray. Because we're for our neighbors, we keep forgiving. 
And he said a week, a week previous to when he was supposed to preach on that, him and one of his best friends had it out. And one of his best friends did something to him he just can't imagine he would even do to his enemy. And he said, I realize that I've got to keep forgiving. And in front of 8,000 people, he's like, dude, I, it's not over yet. I've got to work on it. And then God showed he, he, he was 20, 28 years sober as a pastor of a church. He, well, he wasn't a pastor when he... Okay, anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> And he, at, that morning after this big explosion, that's when one of his friends, when a week later, he's supposed to be in front of 8,000 people talking about forgiveness, and God gave him a chance to figure out how he's, how he's going to forgive, right? That's how God works, right? He looks down and sees his 28-year coin sit because he carries it with him everywhere he goes, remind himself of the grace of Jesus. And Jesus pumped, punched him in the mouth and said, you know what? I've forgiven you of so much. How can you not forgive this fellow who... That's the gospel, man. Gospel happens in chairs like these and around tables like this and living rooms like this. And it's real easy for it not to be that like this. It's just real easy. It's just, it's just real easy. And so, we, because of resurrection, we are under no obligation, nor, under, nor are we under trepidation. There doesn't have to be fear. Romans 8.12 goes on to say, he says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We sing a song like that around here. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And you know what? We're fearful to go offer forgiveness or to ask for it. Because some of you right now, when you, to, you have to under no obligation to do what your, your sinful nature desires. And I'm not that you made the list. Well, I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs. I don't do this. I don't carouse with my wife. I don't, and I, well, I'm good. And then you bypass right past these ideas of forgiveness and grace and all of that stuff. And you feel obligated to your sinful nature to get what you deserve. And so you get frustrated and you stay angry and you stay wrathful and you stay bitter. And just like I do. Right? Huh? Is it true? And I feel obligated to take care of myself. I, get, I feel obligated to, to, to defend my turf. I feel obligated to make sure I get mine. I feel obligated to make sure my family knows I'm taking care of them. I feel, I feel obligated to make sure people know I'm right. Can I say something to you? You being right is not as important as you being righteous. And your righteousness doesn't come from you. Your righteousness comes because Jesus was. And so stop worrying about being right with, with your, your arguments and your opinions and start worrying about being right with God and with others. And what Rick just told you is exactly right. Because if this one's not right... These, for this one to be right, these ones have to be right, and those are Jesus' words, not mine. And that's why he boils down the entirety of the law to two commandments. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and, all your and your neighbor as yourself. This is the whole thing, Jesus says. And so we, we can be right and have our doctrine down and all sorts of other things and still not be doing what Jesus wants us to do because we've chosen to be right rather than being righteous, which means to be in correct relationship. And we've got to stop that. The world around us is dying because we're all split up in all kinds of different directions and we've got to defend our turf and make sure people know what, and all that. And, and, and the world, listen, I watched a couple of things last night that made me mad. I watched something happen 
in Washington, I watched something happen in Pennsylvania, and that we're never going to get it together because we're going to keep throwing stones at one another and sitting at the table and trying to hash something out. And if the people of God are going to change the world, it's going to be because we sit around places like this, we look people in the face, and we go, I don't quite get where you're coming from. Can you explain that to me? I don't believe I did that. That's not what I meant. How did you, how did you mean that? Instead of, instead of running to five different people, going, Man, they just made me mad. I just don't know what happened. And then, then all of a sudden, everything's spreading to like the 15, and a cancer has spread just because you're trying to be right. I didn't do that. The world is broken, and the church has the healing agent, but we don't even exercise it around our own tables, in our own gatherings. We have the answer. God was working to reconcile the world to himself, not holding the, 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 the sins of us against us, but giving us access by the blood of Jesus to himself. So we keep marching around these circles. Now listen, we, we have to live, by, if we're in the Holy Spirit, where there's life and there's family. We don't have to be afraid to approach things anymore. We have to be afraid to love more deeply. We have to be afraid to forgive. We have to be afraid to worship. We have to be afraid. Because what happens, right? Something bad happens this week, and the last thing you, you, you feel like doing is coming and walking in here, right? Maybe you, maybe you and your, your spouse had it out. And what's the first thing you do? You skip church, you skip small group. Worship's going on, and you just, you're just like, I just, my brain's other, other place else. And what you need the most is your church and your small group in that moment. You get a bad diagnosis. The worst thing you can do is ditch. The way you're going to live in resurrected living is to be a part of what God's doing, not sitting on the outskirts. The Bible plainly tells us that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking to devour. You know what a lion does? It waits for the one on the outside of the herd who's sick and tired and wore out and away from the rest, and he nails them. And that's what we do. We just keep deviating out this way. Things get bad. Things get tough. We don't want to have the conversation around the table. And then we're spread away. And then Satan comes and eats our lunch. Or eats us for lunch. Man. Dinner's a really important facet. My kids call, us, call me on it a lot these days. They miss dinner. When it doesn't work out that way. I was gone several days this week. Couldn't help it. Out of town, you know, how am I supposed to deal with that, Right? My fear is we don't miss it. We're okay when we're not around the table with the people who are supposed to be our brothers and sisters, the rest of our family. We're trying to find reasons not to be there. And that's not resurrected living. That's religious living. Because of resurrection, we experience adoption and affirmation. Now let's look at, the ver- look at verse 15. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of Christ's glory. Isn't that awesome? What we're looking, what we have adoption and we have affirmation. And God's intending to work that in us and then work it out of us towards other people. And if we don't have it, we can't give it away. We should, be, we should be concerned about interacting with one another the way God says he's interacting with us. The way God's going to... Inter- how, how many of you ever had God just show up and talk to you? Just asking. 
How many of you had, had a friend pray for you and that's how God helped push you through, right? How many had somebody stop and offer you a word of encouragement? How many had a person actually share the gospel with you, right? How many times that happened? How, none of us, rarely of any of us, I'm not saying everybody on the planet has it, but rarely of any of us actually had God show up in a room and go, hey, how you doing there, Aaron? How, is life hard? You know, I, don't, I want to tell you something. No, you know how he did it? He did it because there's a flesh and blood person who has the spirit of God in him who offered you the opportunity to understand the adoption offer that God made, and he says, I want to affirm that, that I'm with you. And you felt the connection of the Holy Spirit between you and him and you and them, and suddenly something happened, and you don't know, can't even explain it completely. Am I right? Amen. So if God's going to do it, he's going to do it because you're connected. He's going to use you in that connection to help other people grow and be what they're supposed to be. I know I'm taking some time. I learned something else this week. We can be so busy and are doing stuff that we forget to, to just let Jesus do his thing. You know, Jesus was never in a hurry. Derek's going to share with you next week about a, a little story from the Bible where Jesus didn't get in a hurry. And some people were trying to make Jesus get in a hurry. And he looked at him and went, no, I think I'll stay right here. But Jesus, I know, I got this. this cool. Let, let's go this way instead. And they're like, let's just meander. And can I say, he, it says he will not delay. Everybody's mind, Jesus had delayed. He missed an opportunity. Jesus like, no, I, I still got this. It's cool. You think I'm late. Actually, I'm right on time. <laughs> I got it. And we've got to take time. We've got to, you know, the, the children's church people are probably going to be frustrated with Pastor Aaron if I take. Anyway, it's real, man. You don't have to, you guys are like, just keep going, brother. You don't have 45, two and three-year-olds you're trying to keep busy in a little room over there. <laughs> just go, just have at it, brother. No, these people over there are getting wore the heck out over there, all right? You just go as long as you want, and then you go over there and work with two and three-year-olds, all right? Well, back when I was a kid, we used to, you know, okay, whatever. We'd go for 85 hours. Yeah, and I bet you had a hard time keeping people locked in for children's ministry. Anyhow, we've been adopted. Therefore, we can call him the word Abba Father here is literally the word Daddy. Not some title. It's like literally a term of endearment where we go, Daddy, I don't know what to do. Some of you, I want to introduce one of my buddies here. Because we're, we're, we're brothers. I got a chance to eat dinner with him the other night. This is Ryan Van Arsewood. If he calls you, you should meet with him. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay? Listen, I love listening to him pray. He prayed for our meal the other night, and he starts like this. Daddy, and my heart melts at the table, man, as we're getting ready to eat dinner together. Because that's real. God doesn't want the titles, and he doesn't want the pomp and circumstance. He doesn't want all that. He wants his children to come sit in his lap. He wants his kids to be near him. He wants to hear that they love him, and he wants to convey back to them that he loves them. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want some perfect prayer that sounds religious and gold and all that stuff and King James English and all that. He wants his kids to go, Dad, I can't even speak right, but I love you anyway. And he's like, okay, dude, I got that. That's what, that, that's what he wants, right? And so, so he, he gives us this idea. I've got to go, man. I don't want to make those people. Okay. 
He wanted us to call him daddy. He wanted to adopt us, Ephesians 1.5. John 1.12 says he gave us the right to become. We weren't yet become the children of God. 2 Corinthians 6.18. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Man, that just revs my engine. He said, you will be. I want to be your father. Oh, is that good? Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If we've come to faith in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters in here, and we can like different teams. We can be on the sides of political issues. We can be on the different sides of other things. And guess what? We're still the children of God. Because those things aren't what make us the children of God. Guess who does? Jesus does. And he wants to be our father. And he wants us to be brothers and sisters. And you know what that means? Sometimes brothers and sisters have it out. And here's what happens. I'm sidetracking now. Here's what happens. At our house, how about how many of y'all parents love tattletelling? <laughs> you just love that, right? You ought to try being a pastor sometime. Because here's what happens. My kids come to me in my house and they're having it out with one another. First question on my, my wife and my, 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 myself's mouth is this. Have you talked to your brother or sister about that? Because if you haven't, we don't have any business talking. That cuts out tattletelling real quick. Because that's Matthew 18. Have no business being offended at someone without having first approached them first. And then if that doesn't work, then I go to somebody else. The leadership isn't even consulted in that scenario until three, the third level of the thing. But you know what we do in church? We go, so-and-so made me mad. That's not being a family. Because you want to be right. That's why you do that. You don't want to be righteous. You want to be right. You want to have first dibs at making sure that you know somebody was on the wrong. Am I right? Oh, goodness. And he just went there. He did. He absolutely did. Maybe tomorrow, next week, we'll probably just all oh, be able to sit in these three rows right here. That'll be okay. <laughs> I guess we'll make it work. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hate the thought of that. It crushes me. But I want to be real, man. I don't want to play games. I don't want to play games. All you got to do to draw a crowd is sell tickets and have flashy commercials. I mean, that's it. I don't want to have a crowd. I want to have a family. I want to talk about real issues. I want them people to know there's a real God that really loves them. I want us to have real relationship around things. And some of you think the covenant that, that nicks all that. No, I'll tell you something. The covenant is this. It's for us to engage because we know what? We've all made presumptions and assumptions about what people are doing and what we ought to believe and how we ought to go. And, and we never have interaction. Never. And we assume that we're all on the same page and we're not. In my house, I have this thing like this hanging on my wall. In our living room, it's a piece of artwork, but it's beautiful. And, but it says this, this is what we do in our family. And occasionally when something goes wrong in our family, my wife and I go, what's that say right there? We forgive. That's right. You got that right. We, 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 we assume and presume. Let's stop that. The Bible says write it down, make it clear so he can run who reads it. I'm not something special up here, man. I'm not trying to build nothing except for trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes I do okay at that, and sometimes I really feel like I mess it up. Right? 
I don't know where I am. Who are we going? In resurrection life, we can live an eternal family connection. Now, listen to this. Because of resurrection, we have a good expectation. Did I read that? I don't know if I read everything I'm supposed to read. I don't know. Who cares? Let's keep rolling. Listen to these words. And since we are, Romans 8, 17 reads like this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And we love that. Right? Glory. Woo! That's the kind of church I come from, right? Woo! We said, you know, need the, need the pastor with the golf, with the, with the golf, golf towel. Woo! Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Um, and we love that. Right? Right? I love it too. I, 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 I don't, I, there was a guy, man, I love giving a good amen. I like, I like being in the amen corner. It's cool. I like it. But, there's another but. God always puts a but in there, you know? But, if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet, and I love it, it went from but to yet. That's awesome. But listen, yet we, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And we know that God causes... And, okay, that jumps down to verse 28. So you go from verse 19 to 28. Drop down. And so we, creation is waiting for the children of God to be unveiled. He says, and we know, Paul says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those... Now listen to this. Who have it right... Who's got their doctrine just spits back? Well, he, the ones who, who, who've got the right degrees and got the right church building and got the right. For those who what? Love, right? Man, that's it, right? That goes back to Jesus' commandments. Love God, all your heart, mind, soul, your strength. Love your neighbor, yourself. A new command I give unto you that you should love one another as I have loved you. That's the point. Being right is not the point. Being loving is the point. And don't deviate from what you believe, but worry more about loving than being right. Be okay with being humble going, dude, this is messed up. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I hate that we're separated from one another. Can we get something done here? Because that's being the resurrected family of God. Brandon, Johnny, Derek's not in here. Dude, this was in my notes before we went this weekend. I just want you to know. Because we got hammered with those thoughts all week long. It's like you just going, Aaron, I'm just setting you up again. I'm just setting you up again. Johnny's like, Johnny, Johnny and Brandon probably he's sick of hearing it by now. All right? For those who love God and are the called according to his purpose for them. We have hope for the future because of what he makes available to us. We have hope for the future because there's something already he gave to us. Now listen, life is going to happen. Bad things are going to occur. There are no guarantees that life is going to pan out just perfectly. There are no guarantees that your, your five-year, your 10-year, or your whatever plan is going to work out, that you're going to have the right home, going to have the right job, going to live healthy all the rest of your days. There is no, that is not in the Bible. It's not there. It just isn't. We've had a lot of people try and tell us that it is, and we say the right chant, and come up with the right formula, and say the right thing, and bless God, God's got to be the Holy Spirit vendor in heaven, and drop it down to us out of the machine. 
The realest things of faith are these. The realest evidence of faith is enduring through really difficult things. The most amazing prayer of faith ever prayed in the Bible is prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. Right, let's go do this thing. That is, those are the most amazing words prayed of faith any place, anywhere. And it would do us some good to start praying those kinds of prayers. God, I don't know what the answer is. I know what I want, but nonetheless, not what I want, but what you want. Because of the resurrection, we are, we are to live not in relaxation, but consolation. Listen to verse 23 to 25. And we believers also groan, that's right, but that's several times this week, right? Though we have the Holy Spirit within us for, as a foretaste for future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Don't we long for that? Are we groaning? Sometimes, yeah. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including new bodies as he promised us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Including, we, are given, we, we were given this hope when we were saved. We knew life was full, no, not full of guarantees. We knew life was kind of messy, and we knew it, but we had hope anyway. And then we start thinking certain thoughts, and we've earned certain things, and, and we're religious enough to make it get by, and we've given enough money to offering, and we show up enough times at church, and we serve this way that God owes us, and that does, no, that's not true. That, none of that keeps bad things from happening. We are in warfare. There are casualties, and there is suffering in warfare. We can't get around it. But as a family, we've got to keep going on. We... But if we look forward to something we don't have yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now drop back down to verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. Is that beautiful? He knew that on this day, at this moment, you'd be struggling where you're struggling. He knew it ahead of time. He knew it. And he chose you to become like his son. So maybe life is difficult and there's friction happening because there's this sanding procedure happening, this shape of taking this, this rough image of Jesus and making it more smooth. Am I right? So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is not an opportunity to be comfortable. An opportunity to sit back and kind of kick back and relax and take it easy. This is a time to be active and on purpose and intentional of how we're living, how we're loving, how we're growing. You can have hope today because the things around you are merely temporary. And we look for a day where joy, peace, love, and comfort become physically and spiritually and eternally permanent. That's what we look for. That's the day we're waiting on. The days leading up to that will be kind of rough and rocky. So here's the deal. In resurrection, we can live out eternal family, right? We get to do that. We get a connection that's like no other thing. Those are Colossians 3.11. In this new life, it doesn't matter. I'd like to just stop right there. Look at your neighbor and say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Tell me, it doesn't matter. You're like, what well, doesn't matter? None of it matters. Whatever's laying heavy and hard on you right now, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're angry about, it doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever's frustrating you, it doesn't matter. Whatever person you, you're having a hard time with, it doesn't matter. Why? Listen to this. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. There's a line we're trying to keep us out of, right? Doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Doesn't matter if you get the exact religious piece of it down or not. Doesn't matter if you're barbaric or civilized. Doesn't matter if some of you got some rough edges and some of us are more refined. Right? 
Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Those are beautiful words. Man. Let me think about this. If we would acknowledge continually that we are part of God's family and what He has offered us is unearned grace and unfettered mercy and unconditional love, it would alter all of our interactions. Every one of them. Unearned grace, unfettered mercy, unconditional love. It would alter all of them. Every nurse we have would be different. Every one of them. And it would alter the world around us. And here's the beautiful part of it. If we would live that way, other people would take God up on his, on his adoption offer. You know how I know that? John 13. Jesus says these words. A new command I give to you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. By this would all men know that you are my disciples. Not because you got everything nailed just right. Huh? By the way you love one another. You want to be a great evangelist? You should probably really try to start loving the person in the pew next to you. Or maybe that spouse of yours. Or maybe those off-the-rail kids you have. Maybe, maybe the person who most frustrates you at small group and takes up all the time going off in weird directions. And we laugh, but you know, what, you know what's real? You guys know some of you get aggravated about that. If they show up, I'm just, you know what, I might not, if I pull up and their car's there, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to have something else to do. You know why that's funny? Because it's real. Huh? All comedy's funny because it's real, and you know it's real. Huh? But that's not, that's not, that's not going to show anybody the love of Jesus. If we can't get it right here, we're going to show it out there, really? Huh? I don't know. So, let me say five thoughts. Circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. You know, I had somebody ask me, tell me this week. He said, dude, you've been saying that for like three years. And I said, yeah. He said, can I help you with something? And I said, sure. He said, let me bring a sledgehammer, a group of dudes, and tear up those pews. <laughs> and you know what's funny? He didn't know. I made a video, walk around the church, and sent it to the elders and said, dude, I'm going to get these crazy things out because we keep saying circles are better than rows, and we still got rows. And, I, and now some of you, you know, okay, I just crossed the line from Jew to Gentile. <laughs> I just crossed the line out of being civilized to barbarian. And some of you are like, dude, he's not part of our family anymore. That's crazy. Those are pews. We've always had pews. Pews, pews are good. Pews, pews, pews. pews. Hey, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain to you how pews are. Man who passed gas in church sitting on pew. Mm -hmm. So don't be surprised if one day you walk in and like, hey, there's no road. Probably so. Probably going to happen. What's it going to look like? I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. Let me say this. Sunday's the family reunion. Okay? This is where the, the collective group of us get together. How many of you guys like those moments where you get to go with the big part of the family like once a year? You guys must have messed up families. 
I'm just guessing. Not, not, a, hand, not a hand would have just like, no, nah, not me, man. I ain't going to. Uh-uh. You don't know my friend. Yeah, that brother of mine, he is absolutely off his rocker. Huh? Can I tell you something? That brother sitting next to the pew, he is too. Huh? This is big family reunion. You know what? You know where life really happens? Life really happens in a house in a living room. So you guys know what every one of you need? You need this every week. Not that. You need to be connected to a group of people who can get you through difficult times, difficult circumstances. And, 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 and here's the thing. There are leaders there who are going to mess it up. Trust me. I've apologized more to my own kids and, my, and, and, and the church staff and the elders and, 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 and group leaders. I've apologized numerous times. I, I, am, I am so messed up. I am not the perfect leader. I don't know if I'll ever be even a good one. But I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to grow. And all the leaders around you will be the same way. And so let's just get around the table. Let's hash out some things and let's really be the body of Christ and let's love one another like we're supposed to love. Amen. Amen. Here's the idea. The reason this family thing, the reason John, James 1.27 is so important is because it is family thing. Because some of you have family around you but you have an orphaned heart. You don't trust. You're suspicious. You're angry, you're bitter, you've always had biological people around you, but at the same time, there's something you feel like you still haven't found your place. And even even things that happen, church is messy, man. Can I just say, it's just messy. It just is. You know why it's messy? Because there's no perfect leaders and there's no perfect followers. Just isn't. And the reason John 27 is important, pure and undefiled religion, is to care for orphans and widows in their time of need. Guess what? Because we're all orphans. And to care for one another in our time of need is the biggest deal. And the only way we can do that is not sitting in a pew. It's by sitting in life together. Sitting in a car together. Sitting around a table together. Eating together. Jesus says this. Jesus goes, if anybody... You guys will love this. I am so... Terry's going to be so happy because now her cash flow is going to be done. Jesus doesn't say this. Hey, if you're in there and listen to my voice, come in, I'll invite you to church. You know what Jesus says? If you let me in, I'll come in and have a meal with you. And we keep wanting to just show up at church when God wants us to be the church. He he keeps wanting us to have meals around tables and deal with real life issues. And we just keep wanting to dance around the fringes and carrying offenses or worry about a, worrying about offending or whatever else. And we're just getting no place really fast. We're like the hamster on the wheel. So let's pray. What do you say, huh? Let me, let me ask you this. Maybe some of you are sitting here and you feel like you have no place. Can I say something to you? You do in Jesus. You have a place in Christ. You do have a place in his family. Some of you feel like certain things have been done or certain things have been said and you feel like maybe I'm on the outside looking in and listen, can I say something to you? There's grace for you. You don't have to stay on the outside. But you have to engage. And the people who've offended you or who you've offended have to know you're packing something. They just have to. 
Otherwise, we're presuming and assuming. And we can't get anywhere presuming and assuming. You do have a place in this church. You have a place in his family. You have a place in this church. And there's a place for you in a small group. Not because you're good enough, but because he is. And you'll never be good enough, and I'll never be good enough, and none of the people sitting around you will ever be good enough, but he'll be really good for us and in us and around us if we'll let him. And I encourage you today, find your connection. Be aware you don't have to live under obligation or fear. Any, any place there's fear, you are not operating in, in the connection to God you're supposed to have. Let the love of God saturate your heart and your soul. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.